don't mention it. Mention it all. Mention it all. Hello and welcome to Mention It All. Guys, I took a week off. I hope that's okay. If it's not, it's what happened. Um, Everybody needs to take some time, I think, to really reflect on things. And also, I just um, wasn't really happy with the content. And this week, I feel like we have a lot more interesting content to discuss. Uh, I'm going to be bringing up Vanderpump Rules. I'm going to be talking about... The Real Housewives of New York. And then I'm extremely excited to have a guest here to talk about Survivor, which has been an epic season so far and has really, really picked up. But let's talk about what's going on in the world. Um, spring has sprung. That's one little update. Uh, a guy named Mayor Pete has entered the presidential race. I'm not going to take the time to learn how to pronounce his last name because the first syllable is but, and I'm immature. So I'm just going to call him Mayor Pete. Uh, Mayor Pete is like one of those people who um, uh, people like because he's gay and he's transformed allegedly the economy of the small city that he's a mayor of, but um, I'm not here for him. I think he's one of those people who's just like, I mean, he's still like a white guy who went to Harvard, who was like a Rhodes Scholar and, you know, the whole nine yards. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's a good on paper, sort of uh, say what you want to hear, empty platitudes, kind of a liberal. That's just not my cup of tea. There have been some updates, however, with uh, Beto O'Rourke. We learned that he was um, like involved in hacking in like the 90s. He was like in this early hackers group. I don't know, like all the hackers out there like knew exactly what it was and they were like, that's so cool, but I'm not a hacker. I'm just a human. And uh, I do think it's really funny that he was involved with that. And I read some of his writings where he created this character and like fantasized about killing children and raping women or something. And it actually made me like him more, if I'm completely honest with you. Um, I haven't totally written him off yet. Uh you know, I still would prefer someone who's an actual leftist, but uh, Beto O'Rourke is growing on me. Beto went by the name Psychedelic Warlord, and uh, <laughs> he uh, wrote a poem that, that went as such. Wax my ass, scrub my balls, the cow has risen, provide milk. I mean, how can you not like a guy who would write something like that? <laughs> anyway, um, I just want to check in very quickly about Atlanta. I know I haven't really been covering it. I haven't loved this season, but I am going to try to touch on it in the next couple of weeks because Miss Kenya Moore will be back in the finale episode, which is this coming Sunday or it's tonight. So Kenya Moore will be in tonight's episode. And I have heard tell that Kenya Moore will be returning to the Real Housewives of Atlanta next season. one of my favorite housewives songs <laughs> i love gone with the wind fabulous and i'm really excited for kenya to come back i think something's really been missing since she's been gone the only thing that could make this better is if they also brought back one miss phaedra parks esquire <sighs> i really miss phaedra and i am unfortunately 
not really sympathetic to Candy about the whole situation, even though what Phaedra did to Candy is horrible. Uh, you know, as my sister Abigail Weiss said, who among us has not done what Phaedra Parks did to a friend? And I responded, actually, none among us have made up a lie about our former best friend to our new best friend, telling the new best friend that the former best friend and her husband had a plot to drug and rape the new best friend. No, I've, I have never done that in my life. I've done a lot of things, not that. I haven't gone that far. But Phaedra, like I, is a Scorpio and we can't be tamed. Remember the Miley Cyrus song, Can't Be Tamed? In the video, she was like a bird in a cage, and it was sort of like her first, like, breaking out of her Hannah Montana shell song, where it was like a little sexier and dangerous, and she was like, it can't be tamed. <sighs> that was a good one. Okay, so I'm going to take a quick break. You're going to have an ad, and when I'm back, I'll be talking about Vanderpump Rules, followed by Real Housewives of New York, followed by Survivor. And I'm going to try to get the times in there for you guys, who, those of you who are like, I don't watch Survivor, or I miss New York this week, so you can kind of skip around and, and go to where you need to go and hear what you need to hear. Um, I'll be back with Vanderpump Rules. Hello, I'm back with Vanderpump Rules. Uh, Very okay, well, like yeah. Okay, well, like yeah. okay, green pants. Someone's for me. <laughs> Very ill. Okay, green pants. Someone's for me. Oh, <laughs> when Katie says to Tom, okay, green pants, um... I loved it so much. There's so much disdain in her voice and both of their voices when they speak to one another. It's actually upsetting, but um, that made me laugh a lot. Also because Katie and Tom, when they fight, um, they try to use like really big words. And I think they're trying to like prove to the other that like they're the smart one or something. And sometimes they misuse the words like that time when Katie Maloney called her wedding venue magnanimous. I think she meant like magnificent or I don't know, glorious. She called it magnanimous, which means like generous or like, um, like thoughtful and gracious and like very, very giving, very generous. Um, it's not what that means, but you tell that to Katie Maloney, Katie and Tom will be like, that's so derogatory. Or they'll be like, you're making this contentious. Like they say that kind of stuff to one another. And I'm just like the whole time. I'm like, I don't think you know what that means. Cause then they follow it with something like, okay, green pants. And that's how, you know, that's who they truly are. It's the, the okay, green pants level of insulting someone. It's really sad that this is where they're at in their relationship. And this is still how they argue. But before we get to that, um, let's, let's talk about the opening of Tom, Tom. Tom Tom is finally open. Um, we know it's open in real life. People go. The drinks are supposedly good. Um, it's so like steampunk that like Nick Elaine decor with like the the clock things and just like I don't know the, everything about it to me feels a little like five years ago or more. But I guess that's. That's very much Lisa Vanderpump, I think. Like, it's not like Lisa Vanderpump is, like, known for being current and cool. I know she thinks that she's tasteful, and a lot of other people do, too. Um, but I think she's just sort of, like, she's, like, trendy. It's a little embarrassing. I don't love the decor, the look of Tom Tom. doesn't seem like a place I'd like to hang out. But that's just me. Um, the Toms arrive in a motorbike that Tom Sandoval spent $18,000 on. And I don't know if the 18,000 went just to the motorbike and how much those like custom, uh, helmets and the gloves and the, the goggles. I don't know how much all the accoutrement of this motorbike with sidecar, <laughs> how much all that costs, but it seems like a waste of money to me, which Ariana said, Ariana was like, we couldn't have rented the motorbike with the sidecar, but not if you're Tam Tom Sandoval, because Tom Sandoval is like the most, uh, narcissistic self-indulgent person i mean they all are but 
he really he's so vain and he loves like things so i mean it's very tom and once again ariana what are you doing with this fool but they arrive in this little motorbike and they're extremely excited and we we get a moment of lisa vanderpump riding in the motorbike we see ken uh unclear whether he's dead or alive still definitely a weekend at bernie's situation his eyes are closed half the time we see him although you know <laughs> this coming week on beverly hills seems like ken's gonna wake up which personally that terrifies me like i don't like it when ken wakes up like, i don't like how he yells at women I loved when um, he sort of jumped ugly with Kim Richards, though. Oh, stop. I'm tired of your goddamn mouth. You're a big, stubborn old man. <laughs> I love when Kim Richards says, I'm tired of your goddamn mouth. You're a big, stubborn old man. Because he is. And that's the same scene where he calls them stupid several times. I mean, I don't care how much you are throwing down for your partner. It's never okay to, like, point your finger in women's faces, call them stupid, whatever's, you know. I mean, he uses some British slang, but basically calls them cunts and... I'm over it. I'm not charmed by Ken. I never have been. So Tom, Tom and Tom look ridiculous. Tom, Tom is open. Kristen attends. And guys, I don't know if Kristen is sort of like, is she pretending? Is she playing the character of being like desperate and like eating pasta in bed with her dogs crying and like uh, thinking that Lisa Vanderpump will ever like her because I love it. I love that she's doing that. But she sounds incredibly delusional when she's like, basically thinks that the conversation that she had with Lisa, which couldn't have been more awkward, where Lisa basically was like, yeah, you can come to the Tom Tom opening, like, but I'm not inviting you. Like, if they invite you, that's fine, but you're not my guest. Like, she basically was like, you can be there, but, like, I still don't like you. And Kristen took that as, like, they're best friends, like, things are getting better, you know, like, I and I just think it's... Uh, it's embarrassing if you need Lisa Vanderpump's approval that much, first of all. But second of all, I just don't 100% buy it like most other things this season. I don't know if she's acting for us because we know Kristen's an actress. Remember that reel that she did? <laughs> or she like gets slapped and like kisses a guy or maybe she slaps someone. I can't recall. But that's back when she was like try really trying. Oh, oh my goodness. I just almost witnessed a car accident outside of my house. This person almost like literally is mere centimeters from backing their car into another person's car. That was scary. Uh, I don't think it hit though. Anyway, <laughs> I know you're all really glad that I just narrated that for you. It was alarming. I was looking at my window, talking to you, just running my mouth and almost saw them collide. All is well. So the cast goes to Mexico. Where do we stand on Tom Schwartz taking the first class seat? I personally don't mind at all that he took it, but I do think it's weird that he's not like communicating with his partner. Like if, if it was me, I think definitely I would be like, hey, they offered me this first class seat, but I can totally give it to someone else if you want company and coach. You know what I mean? Like I do that kind of thing. And and then my partner would say, of course, I don't mind. You should take the first class seat. Or maybe if if he was having a bad day, I would be like, you should take the first class seat. You were really tired or you know what I mean? Like there'd be a conversation. And that's just the number one problem with Katie and Tom's relationship is like there's no connectiveness. And I did feel bad for Katie much as I hate her in this episode because it's like it was just so embarrassing for her like all the time she just tried to reach out and have a moment with her husband like when she said I love you and he like clearly didn't hear her wasn't listening to her and just like sort of was talking to Jax or Peter or something like imagine imagine being ignored by your life partner for Peter if you will just take a moment and and think about how that would feel Peter who you know his biggest plot line has been the fact that he hooked up with both Katie and Stassi before the show aired. I mean, Peter. 
Peter Madrigal. Did you know that's his last name? That's kind of my favorite part about Peter. So Katie and Tom proceed to get into this massive fight when they get there. And there's just, you know, I, I know that they're allegedly in therapy or something, but their communication is horrendous. N- neither of them knows when to stop. Neither of them knows when to say, like, I'm so sorry, or like, I hear you, or like, I want to make this better, or like, they just don't stop. They just take out so much anger and resentment. And then I saw Tom Schwartz on Watch What Happens Live, like saying, we can't wait to have kids. Like, it's in the works. And it's just, it's just so terrifying to think about, you know, what the life will be like for these children, these future children. I mean, they're certainly not going to stay together forever. I would, I for one would be shocked, like truly shocked, need to revive me shocked if Katie Maloney Schwartz and Tom Schwartz were together, like in the, for the long haul, like if to re- truly till death to us part, not going to happen. So next week we see that, um, Bo and Stassi get into a fight I don't know. I mean, it seems sort of fake. Like, I think everything between them is a little constructed that we're seeing on camera. But at the same time, they seem really hungover. So it's possible they did just get into like a grumpy hungover fight from just like drinking too much. And I guess Bo wanted to go out at 3 a.m., which like, yeah, I would be questioning that as well. But at the same time, it's like it's this contradiction with the whole group where it's like you can't tell someone that they're drinking too much or staying out too late when like you are also somebody who abuses alcohol and probably drugs and stays out too late and parties too hard, you know? So it's like Stassi set this precedent for her friends and uh, wanting Bo to be a part of that. And that's what Bo is saying, it seems. But, um, you know, then she's upset because she also wants to have like a partner who is in a, a wild animal, a grown man who needs to continue going out at 3 a.m. Nothing good happens at 3 a.m. I know. I've, I've been one of those people and nothing good ever comes of it. You find yourself in Long Island City, walking over the Kosciuszko Bridge, just wondering what's become of your life. That's what happens at 3 a.m. Okay, that's it for Vanderpump. Um, just gonna have a quick break and when we come back, I am going to talk about the Real Housewives of New York City. about us taking the food. I'm not leaving lobsters. That's who I am. That's just who I am. That's just who I am. Sonia Tremont Morgan, everyone. Thank you for that. Real Housewives of New York City. Uh, I haven't covered the last two episodes. So um, just to go back a little bit, we were at the clam bake. Sonia said she's not leaving without the lobsters. She's taking the lobsters and she put them, she proceeded to tell Barbara Kay to put the lobsters in her dress that she claimed was Sonia Morgan, New York. But I saw online, someone was like, oh, I have this exact dress that I bought from like here. And I guess Sonia is calling it Sonia Morgan, New York, but it, it is not. And if it is, it's just a copy of someone else. Um, this clam bake was a mess. Luann was definitely being really standoffish. She is in that position where she feels like untouchable because, you know, Bethany's on her side. And I think everybody feels untouchable with Bethany in their corner. Remember how horrible Carol was with Bethany in her corner? That was a nightmare. This clam bake is a shit show. And, um, you know, the, the girls, so the blonde girls, Ramona, Sonia, and Tinsley barely stay for 30 minutes. Um, they don't even eat there. They take food with them to go. Barbara Kay is nice enough to give them this food to go. Now, uh, when somebody says you can take some food with you, it definitely does not mean like a pail of lobsters, but I'll take it just like Sonia. I would not turn down the lobsters. Um, and I like this Bethany we're seeing who kind of has nothing to lose and she's playing the middle where she's not taking everything too seriously. Like at the end of this episode, there's like this event, God knows even what it was. And um, 
uh, Dorinda is like saying that uh, she needs to talk to Luann and people are telling her, she you got to talk to Luann. Luann's there. Luann's now saying hi to Dorinda. And Dorinda's like acting super nervous and crazy. And Bethany's like, go talk to her. Go, go, just do it. Um, which I love. I love when Bethany is just like in a silly, like she's not in the drama. She can just be silly and like, sort of like, you know, produce the other women lightly in a fun way. And you see Dorinda being like, don't produce me. Like Dorinda says to her, stay here. Like, don't come over there with me. Like, like I'm serious. And Dorinda's really nervous about getting anyone else in the conversation with Luann, which I can understand, but this fight between them is, is really, it's it's a sad one because I think they were good friends, but it's also sad on the level of, like, Luann is gone. We've lost her again. She's, like, you know, life is a cabaret. She's thinks she's the queen of Broadway, of 54 Below. And she's selling out shows. She has every reason to believe that. I mean, that's just, that's the monster that we've all created. Dorinda... I don't know. I don't know if we created Dorinda, but I don't like what I'm seeing. And it gets worse. Sonia's paper magazine party is a special moment. I loved this shoot in paper magazine. She's wearing Eckhouse Lata. She's wearing, um, obviously, she's modeling the Telfar global bags. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Telfar, but I have seen some things I liked. I loved when at this party Telfar showed up and everyone was really excited and Sonia was like, Mr. Telfar, like calling him Mr. Telfar. I love when you like everything about Sonia is so amazing to me because she's truly like evocative of this old timey New York person who is like eccentric and has this wild personality and is so much fun and, and so dynamic and lively and to the point of absurdity that everyone wants them around and, you know, they can go on to marry Mr. Morgan and become Sonia Morgan of the family crest. Um, at the end of this party, there's a girl who looks so much like Luann's daughter. Um, who's like, Sonia, Sonia, can I give you a kiss? And then she and Sonia make out like full on, very, uh, very charged, definitely like a sexier kiss than we've ever been given on the housewives because, you know, we've had to put up with a lot of really disgusting stuff. That guy court of the scary Island season who Luann went out with a couple times and he wrote a book called like scandalicious or like, ugh, what was the name of that book? I need to get that for you guys. But they go to like a cocktail bar when everyone's at Scary Island and he keeps like like licking his lips and sticking his tongue out like a lizard. And he is beyond disgusting. So we've had to see that guy come at, come at a woman's face. So I think we can handle a little bit of what we saw um, and we can love it. Ramona went on a date. Ramona went on a date with this guy who was just saying all the wrong things. I don't know where they found this guy, but he was a mess. I mean, I can see why she gives a hoot about red scarf, soon to be blue scarf guy. Now we check in with Luann. Luann goes to uh, do some community service at God's Love We Deliver. Just a special note, God's Love We Deliver is an incredible charity that I have volunteered for in the past. If you have coin to give and you're not going to give it to me um, or to Uncle Sam, you know, always make sure you do that. The housewives have taught us that. Then you should definitely give it to God's Love We Deliver. Um, and they provide meals for people who are homebound. And the charity actually began as a means to help uh men and women who were dying from AIDS and who are homebound and, you know, no one would help them. Um, so the, it's very, very close to my heart. It's an amazing charity. I'm glad Luann went there. I didn't love her behavior there. I did know the chef that she was working with. That was the same guy that was there when I used to volunteer there, um, <laughs> which I, I loved. I love those little moments in Real Housewives of New York where you're like, oh, I've been there. 
Um, but, uh, she was there with her friend, Anne and guys, Anne, we've seen her almost every episode. It seems like she would be a, she's a would be friend of housewives, but like, she's given us no personality, zero personality, a hundred percent hair feathered nineties dynasty moment. And then she looks, you know, fine. And I think she's a realtor, I believe. We saw another incredible realtor in this episode, Dorinda's real estate agent, who looks like something out of death becomes her. These two ladies, I mean, I recently passed my real estate exam, and if if being a real estate agent in New York means winding up with beauty parlor hair and, you know, uh, just, uh, I mean, I'm not mad at it. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with that. If that's, if that's what it comes to, I'm trying to avoid that though. But this realtor looked undead. Um, and she was like very Jewish. She was like throwing in some like Yiddish. And I mean, she really just said the word Zoftig, which like, I think a lot of people know what Zoftig means, like pleasantly plump. She called her into that, which is, I th- I love that. Cause it was like the perfect, like super tiny, like uh, perfectly kept though crazy looking older Jewish ladies where they're very shady like that. Like they're always, they're going to like hold you and be like, Oh, you Zoftig. Like it's so like, they think it's cute, but like really they're just calling you you fat. And that's what you need to know. <laughs> that's, that is the real tea about that. So they have a gangster lunch, the ladies. Um, I'd love to see a show before I go to the gangster lunch. I'd love to see a show that's like, um, Anne and Dorinda's realtor and like all of the side characters from New York past, like Ray. I love Ray. I miss Ray all the time. Last summer and he's staring at me, like creepy staring at me, like about to come over to me. It didn't end well. I totally blew him off and I really want nothing to do with this guy. What are you doing here? No, Are you okay? Oh my god, Ray. And then he's like, Who told you about Ibiza, you bitch? <laughs> We've all met Ray's in our life. So I want Ray on a show. I would love to get like Kyle's party planner on the show. I love him. Um, Dr. Moon, Shannon Bedore's <laughs> Dr. Moon. Um, the guy who put the, the diamonds in her teeth or whatever. I would just just like some kind of a bravo like even if a spin-off spin-off special or like you know when bravo does those commercials for movies now where it's like erica jane like dancing with like lisa rinna and like cynthia or something you know like why can't we have one with with those people with like kim granitelle <laughs> from new jersey with their fake and square tits <laughs> anyway gangster lunch they have this gangster lunch not the only person who truly dressed properly for this gangster lunch and i don't know i don't know if they were calling it a gangster lunch because it was in little italy i don't know if that was the theme and they were meant to dress that way but the only one who looked like proper was barbara k now i don't know why barbara k isn't a full housewife because she is really giving me life um and she shows up like you know wearing black like a hat and she's like she looks legit. She looks like she would be like having sex with a mobster or like, I don't know, building a house for him. Anyway, Dorinda's idea of gangster is insane. Dorinda has pink streaks in her hair. Like, and meanwhile, it's still that like beauty parlor-esque, like older lady, you know, short bob with hair curled under, like slicked back. Like it's very, it's like an older lady's haircut. And then you throw some pink streaks in that throw some pink streaks on that bitch. And I have to say, there's nothing I hate more than when older ladies do that kind of thing. It just looks so silly. Like I, I never even did that. Like I did have like the bottom of my hair bleached and then it was like pink for a time, like underneath. 
but I could never bring myself to like do like a an ombre or like highlight like I just can't do that or like a full head of a color it's never gonna happen um even even me in my 20s and I was like manic all the time and doing crazy things to my hair couldn't bring myself to do that Dorinda goes there it's a choice Dorinda's wearing like an Adidas like top with like the shoulders cut out and like leather pants that she keeps hiking up and I love those leather pants and I would like a pair because they look like they're comfortable for like a curvier gal but um at the same time like she just was wearing them awkwardly the whole thing looked demented so they all talk Bethany's there Luann's there it's basically about trying to reconcile things between Dorinda and Luann but like they're both behaving horribly. Dorinda in particular is has no accountability and is not really being honest about the things that she's heard about, I think. Dorinda has a really hard time with that. Now, also in one of these last couple episodes, I thought this was fascinating because you guys might remember, some of my loyal listeners may remember that I did talk about um, my sister's idea that Dorinda basically like gave up on like joy and beauty and like true love and like good things in the world and in life when john when um richard died and that like john is just like she chooses him because like she he like will never like exceed her expectations you know he's always going to be this like kind of smarmy slimy guy um and she as good as admits that like she says uh, i believe to bethany that like when she lost richard she did feel like she would never have a relationship like that again and that she shouldn't even try and i think that is so tragic and that really says everything but sometimes you see that with dorinda it's just this unwillingness to to try to be vulnerable and I'm sure being vulnerable is an incredibly scary place for her because she was vulnerable once and he died and like you know like she felt safe and loved once and and then like the world and God whoever you want to believe took Richard from her so I really feel for Dorinda but I think she needs like serious therapy and like alcohol treatment and like she just needs to sober up and clean up and really heal because what she's doing right now is so destructive. <sighs> Dorinda and Barbara Kay, the episode closes with them having a meeting. Now this meeting is all under the guise of Barbara Kay remodeling Dorinda's house. Dorinda's unwilling to remodel this insane kitchen that is like, I don't even know how it's set up. Her apartment is much shabbier than I actually thought it was. Like the way, like they've only really shown us that sitting area. We haven't seen a lot of Dorinda's apartment. And it is shabby. She does need to clean up. The floors are a mess. I mean, she should have taken Barbara, heated Barbara's wise, wise advice, but she did not. And they go on to talk about Luann and it doesn't end well at all because Dorinda, I think we've all experienced someone like Dorinda who they just kind of go haywire and they try to emotionally manipulate a situation that could be solved by her saying sorry, where it's like she's going from like getting upset that Barbara is suggesting that she do a little more to like apologize and really make amends and really move forward with Luann. And she immediately is like angry at Barbara for doing that yelling about the situation turning it all around on barbara being like i don't know why you're bringing this up and then like uh basically laying this guilt trip where she's like well i was an amazing friend to her and i was there for her for this that and the other thing and it's like that is not being a friend you don't throw things in people's faces when they're down or when you're in a fight you know and i know that's hard to do but it's just not a smooth move and she looked really bad i thought in the conversation she just i mean she went from zero to 100 so fast in that car and i know there's editing but it just felt like a lot to me and i didn't like it it did feel manipulative to me which brings me to closing i didn't even want to mention this because it was so appalling Ramona's comment about Dennis. I mean, when is it too far for Ramona? Like, what's too far? I know we've enjoyed her in the past, and 
but it's just, it's just, she's just such a low down dirty dog, I guess, because it's like, we had no respect for her to begin with. So that's how she can say like horrible things like that. And we just move forward from it. I mean, meanwhile, Phaedra Park's Esquire is condemned to VH1 or whatever when uh, she does what she does. But and yet Ramona can really cross the line and has many a time and will continue to, I'm sure. Never forget Brooklyn Bridge with Bethany. Um, she just can't help herself. She's a horrible person. I, I mean, the only reason why she's there is because I love to hate her. And I think most people feel the same. I don't think anyone genuinely is like, oh, yeah, I love Ramona. Like, she's the best. I'd love to, like, hang with her. Guys, did you know that Jax and Ramona apparently had sex? Jax from Vanderpump Rolls. This was said. It's never really been denied by anyone. So I'm I'm going to believe that it's true. And I, every time I see both of them, I think about it. You can't un unsee that, that flash in your mind when you say Jax and Ramona had sex. And now I've done it to all of you. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. When I'm back, I'm going to have my very special guest. And we're going to be discussing Survivor, which gave us a lot of twists and turns, a double episode, people coming back from Edge of Extinction. Very exciting stuff. Please join us. Even if you're not a Survivor fan, I think you'll really enjoy my guest. Welcome back. Um, I hope you're ready to talk about Survivor. I'm so excited today to have an amazing guest, a wonderful human being, someone very special to me. Mark, thank you so much for being here to talk about Survivor. <laughs> um, so just to catch everyone up, last week um, there was a double episode. Aubrey, unfortunately, went to extinction. Big Wendy went to extinction. And, um, so they're out there and the double episode basically saying that something's coming, like you're going to have your chance. So when they open up this week's episode, they show up, you know, the remaining people that have the two tribes, they show up, looks like a big challenge in walks people from Extinction Island. So the idea is here that everyone who's been on Extinction, and just to give you a roundup, we've got Reem, Keith, Chris, Rick Devins, Aubrey, and Big Wendy. So that's six. And um, basically, they're going to have to compete as individuals, and one person is going to make it back in the game. Now, Keith has uh, – well, uh, Chris had an advantage – for one part of the challenge. And then Keith had an advantage was, was to give someone a disadvantage and he gave that to Chris. So Chris sort of evened out like everyone else. Rick Devins winds up taking the whole thing. And I was a little bummed that Aubrey didn't win. And, and Aubrey's joy when they announced that they were going to have this chance to get back in the game at this point, um, was just so palpable and beautiful. And then her, sadness was just like so intense when she lost and you just could tell how like deeply disappointed in herself she was but and she thrives on that and so you know she's still being there i feel like there's still fire in her and you know rick i was glad if it wasn't aubrey that he was in the game and as of now also they told everyone that the tribes are merged um uh, and the when the tribes emerged they just they dismissed the merged tribe and they were not told at that moment that extinction is back in play but they tell the remaining five or jeff probes tells the remaining five that extinction you guys are going back if you want another chance go back they all go back they're aubrey among all of them of course like you said had the best just like they're you know aubrey and a, co a couple others screamed out like you know yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Probably an expletive or two, but, uh, and then they get back to extinction and they immediately show you that the white flag is being raised by none, none, none other than big Wendy and Keith. So big Wendy and Keith depart. So there's three left on extinction, Reem, Aubrey, and Chris, the, the three, the few, the proud. And back with the merge tribe, uh, the dynamics are mixed. There's a lot of 
new players uh, here, and six of them are very, very tight and definitely ballsy. Yeah. Um, you know, they're sticking together, which is like, I'm sort of hoping that that's a theme that's not going to continue, that they're going to be able to sort of break up the six and they're not going to be like too tight to the point where they're just picking off the others and we're just left with those six people kind of having to figure out who we like at the end of it. Cause uh, most of the new players that I do kind of like, or have a read on are working with the returning players. Right. And then there's the, there's the block of people that think that they're better and they, you know, get the new people, get the returning players out of here. And, you know, that's only going to go so far before it's broken up. I hope it's broken up sooner and later. Um, when they merged and had the merge feast, there was no uh, advantages or anything like that given out. But Rick goes in his bag and finds a basically an immunity idol in the note. He is beyond joy, trying so hard not to freak out. Dips off to the side and finds that it is not yet an immunity idol as much as it is a bargaining chip. And, but if he makes it through this... Uh, through this tribal council yes. for this episode. Then it becomes an immunity idol. So he goes back to his old comrade, David, and basically David is pumped. And then he's, you know, he, I think he understands that it's not immunity idol. And then they realize, you know, as long as they can hold it together, they ha will at least have a immunity idol between the two of them, which I think is, is needed. Yeah. Uh, I like that they did Kelly that. And Lauren, you know, they both have an immunity idol and those are the only idols that we know. Right. Because Aubrey had an immunity idol, but she was sent to extinction, which Mark Lauren means they are no longer, um, you can't use them anymore. So yeah. that one should be back in play and someone could find it ostensibly. Yeah. But I think it's nice that they gave Devin's this advantage because, and I, I assume someone else will return at least one other person from extinction and we'll kind of, let's get into that. Let's jump to sort of who went home. So at the end of the episode, Joe is sent home. Now we'll get in more to how this transpired, but I do want to talk about what its implications are in terms of extinction. And Mark made some really good points about this just in terms of like, now at this point, everyone knows that extinction is in play. Well, at tribal, so basically at tribal council, they bring out Reem, Aubrey, and Chris, and basically, you know, we don't know if they're, we don't know if it's the everyone that leaves is in the jury because you know Keith and Big Wendy they left, they're not there. We don't know what's going on, but what is cool is at least on this one time, the people that are still on extinction got to sit down on tribal council and hear everything that's going on. Now, with that being said, they are the the people that are in the tribe currently, they're given the information that extinction is going on. You think that like that would give some kind of you know, if my thing would be if I was, you know, on the tribe, anyone that is a returning player, you send them to extinction, they're fuming and they're getting ready. They're pumped because they've come back before. Right. And, you know, but that, you know, is that the best struggle because, or is that, is it not struggle, but is that the best plan to go with just because, you know, I feel that, uh, sorry, I'm so lost for words, but, <laughs> oh, no. uh, I mean, I think you make some really good points about that. And it, I also was thinking about in terms of the end of this season, like, let's say there's a person that has been on extinction at some point that winds up in the final three. That's a really big thing to put on your resume, totally. but it could work for or against you where people are like, well, you were voted out, but you can be like, yeah, but this whole season is about going to the edge of extinction. And right. I actually survived that came back and I'm sitting here. Yeah. Like, the, you know, who knows? We're at least going to have one, maybe two more, you know, edge of extinction let back ends. And if it's the same person or someone goes multiple times, to me, that is something that definitely adds on their resume as far as, far as the new format of, like, covering the outwit, outlast, outplay. Um, In the final tribal. Yeah. The, yeah. Which I think is a really nice change. That's something I actually haven't touched on at all, but... 
what do we think about that? I mean, I, I like that it's a little looser of a conversation and there's more of like a back and forth and not just like one person gets like one question. Or- well, it's not one person basically going to three people and either skipping over someone or venting or, you know, really they're voting for this person so hard. So then they're trying to prop them up. It's definitely more of an open conversation that, you know, when people are mad, other people can that are mad can chime in. And uh, I feel like it really helps kind of a little bit more at the end of just like angry jury syndrome, you know? Totally. And so I'm really into it. I think um, just to get back into this episode a little bit, I want to touch on what's going on with... Um, Kelly Wentworth, because right now she's in this sort of strong three. But uh, I mean, at the end of the double episodes, it was not such a strong three with War Dog and Lauren. And Lauren's sort of been this underdog. But in this episode, she was in the final two for the immunity challenge. Now, Julie eventually won. And um, a lot of people were thinking, let's just vote Rick Devins out because that's sort of an easy thing to do. And Julie was actually the one who said, like, I am not down for that. Like, I feel like it's just like cruel to send someone right back to extinction, which Julie and Victoria said that. Right. Victoria as well. I like Victoria. Of the new of like the new that new player block that we were talking about that wants to get ever all the old all the returning players out. She and somewhat the kentucky virginia guy but he's also like got this kind of slimy edge and just will i would like to see that broken up so i can understand them as individual players more than like a rat king nest of people just trying to like barge into a house that they've yet to live in uh but yeah you know kelly wentworth she it's she's got they got to cut war dog out of the situation and either her and lauren really have to play together or they really have to like play their own game because i feel like they're both kind of just they're both playing well in different areas but they're kind of dragging each other down and especially with war dog yeah um but we're just recent in the merge so i mean anything can happen going forward and it is smart at this point in the game to have like a a three block like that and to like have those numbers because people can use you and you can also sort of like be a wrench in people's plans. Totally. But you want to get that, you want to move that forward fast because if not, then you're an easy pick off. Totally. Um, so that three, they went for David in this tribal. This tribal is all over the place. There were the, the, the six new players, that group, they voted Joe, who went home. Um, the three, Lauren, Wardog, and Kelly, voted for David. David and Devons voted for Kelly. Mm-hmm. And then there were also some Rick votes in there, too. Right, and there were a couple of random Devons votes. So it was really all over the place. But um, I do think Kelly is maybe focusing her energy in the wrong place because there's this huge block of numbers, and it would be to her advantage to sort of maybe look to David as a potential number. Although I get that she doesn't want to have to deal with David like down the road because David is very smart. Totally. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, this episode was kind of a big wake up call for everybody just because the show that like Joe was the one person working with that new group and they cut him at, at the knees, you know? And like we mentioned before, I think that was a really dumb decision just because you send someone like Joe, who is a challenge beast most of the times. And that's why any previous season, everyone's like, we got to get out Joe. We got to get out Joe. So why send him to this place where like that truly is his one focus. All he has to do is like wake up and, you know, they, they give before, they told them that they were going to challenge their day in day out. It's like working for everything. And then sometimes they have to run up this huge mountainous hill (laughs) and you can get an advantage or it's just like in the water somewhere. Uh, So it's not the best place to send a challenge beast, but all they, you know, you can hope I'm not a Joe fan, but you can just hope that like he gets delirious or something weird happens. But uh, (laughs) 
You know, I just feel like they really have to be careful. I I just hope that there are players that are truly thinking about sending people out of the game in a different way this time. Because it's not like you get rid of them per se. Yeah. And I think it's it's just a whole new game. And that's what I'm really loving about this twist and about this season is like every time there is something like Devin's half an idol that he can't use until the next one that like is meant to sort of be this thing where he's like needs another person to have half of it. And uh, other things like that that just sort of like are thoughtful and that make it a little more unpredictable where you can't say, well, Devin's is definitely going to go home easy vote. You know, you have to really consider all the consequences of your actions. And now that the cast that is still out there knows about extinction, I mean, that is going to change maybe the decisions and, and the way they make those decisions. Hope so. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me. It was really fun. Do you have any more thoughts, feelings, hopes, dreams, wishes? So many. Um, uh, just hope that David and Devin's and, you know, maybe Lauren, I hope just kind of some of these really strong, smarter players can bound together or at least like to see like some really true, strong, focused alliances kind of like navigate and really build out a resume to win this game. I would love to see like a Devon's David and Lauren Alliance. (laughs) That would be like such a good like Julia. Julia. You know, there's also all these players, you know, I hope one of my other hopes is that these players that have been on here for what, six episodes at this point, get a voice because we were looking at the cast the people that are still there and there's two uh, that truly we have no idea who they are and have maybe said like four sentences yeah um, aurora never heard that name julia yeah yeah i mean too but leave that up to editing and take it up to mark burnett and you know it's just a shame that <laughs> women are being on survivor but left off survivor and so i hope that changes in the coming episodes Amen. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. So that was Survivor. And um, thanks for listening. Thank you for being here with me. Can't wait for next week. Can't wait for all the fun and games that will happen in the world this week. Um, twirl, everybody. That's all I'm going to be thinking about. I'm going to take that spirit with me in the coming week. I'm going to pray for myself. I'm going to pray for us all. If you want to support my podcast, um, there's a little link or you can go to, uh, anchor. You know what? I don't know the link. It's on there. There's a little button. You can click it. You can support me. You can donate whatever you'd like. Um, Thank you again for listening. I really can't believe that um, I have the listeners that I do. And I'm so grateful. Like every time I check my little thing and it tells me how many people are listening, it ticks up one cent each time. It warms my heart. It really does. Thank you again. I hope you enjoyed it. This has been Mention It All, and I will talk to you next time.